You may be seated, and children may head off to Children's Church, or Camp Pointway. I'm sorry. Tony, don't fire me. She didn't hear it? Oh, good. Uh, the rest of you did, so that's, that's the main thing. So I know some of you, you'll, you'll wrap me out. So, All right, I want to apologize right up front. I want to just make it be clear. I spent the week in Maine, all right? So I have no idea where my R's are going to go today or if I'm going to drop them. I was uh, with some classmates. I was able to get together with some friends from high school, some I hadn't seen. And for a moment there, I'm listening, and, and we're just chatting back and forth. And I said, man, these people have accents. And then I'm like... Oh, wait a minute. That's my accent. I just recognized it. So, um, and I asked for a pop, and they looked at me kind of funny. I don't know why. And uh, I said, come with, and all those things. Um, but it's good sometimes to get out of your comfort zone and go to a different place, and you realize you know, how things are different. And uh, I was telling Brandon and Ike this morning, <clears throat> um, with things with COVID and traveling and all that, I am real thankful that God has placed us here in Minnesota during this versus back on the East Coast. Believe me, there's a lot of things that are not well back there. People are living in fear. People are, are scared. And again, you see it um, among believers and non-believers. It's, it's an amazing thing to me, um, but it is something that you notice when you travel a little bit. So I'm glad to be back home. Yes, I did have lobster and some chowder and all those good things um, from the back east, but I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, we have some visitors with us. What? Oh, well, that happens. I had a lot of people that wanted me to bring lobster back, but they just don't travel well. Um, but that being said, we're going to continue in our series in 1 Corinthians. And we have guests here today. Don't worry. I'm going to get you up to speed because guess what? Even our regulars, well, some of you are looking at me now, but our regulars forget from week to week, you know, as we're going through it. And we've been in this series for a long time. We're all the way up to chapter 11. So if you want to look ahead. But as you know, we've been doing this series with the, the, the central theme of focus, right? And we, we used binoculars. And there's some things hanging from the ceiling back there. Someone didn't clean the church very well this week. I don't know. But, but the reason we use the binoculars, right, is to help us focus, right? Because there are so many distractions, so many things that want to take us away. And Paul writes this letter to a church that culturally around them, there were a lot of distractions, a lot of things that were pulling, up, pulling them apart, which is the other theme of Corinthians is unity. If you look at all of Paul's letters, and I can say all of his letters focus on the unity of the church body, trying to keep them together. You know, and again, they wanted to scatter, and they would pick almost anything or any person to divide them. Right? We talked a little bit about that early on, the early chapters, right? Talked about they were being divided over who was preaching, right? Who was the better preacher? Was it Paul? Was it Apollos? Was it Peter even went through there? Then they also got arguing over who was baptized, who baptized who. But Paul kept bringing them back to, hey, what's the main thing? What's the main thing to focus on? Right? We talked about focusing on Jesus Christ. We talked about focusing on God, focusing on the cross, focusing on God's word right? How important that is to bring everything back into focus. And so that's the, the theme that runs through that. Now, the church in Corinth had a lot of problems. They were not the ideal church. I am thankful I am not the pastor of the church in Corinth and that I'm the pastor at Point Way. Point Way is much better in many ways. 
But that being said, we can learn a lot from that church in Corinth. Because guess what? The temptation just is here today. The culture around us is not much better. And we can be divided just as much as they were. And also, they had those internal problems, but they weren't dealing with them. And Paul kept sending correction. Right? Paul said, hey, you're doing this, but you need to straighten out. Well, today we're going to see some more of that correction. And if you were with us last week, we talked about ladies and your heads covered. And other than Vicky, Exhibit A, um, the rest of you didn't cover your heads. No, Vicky, we're joking about that, but, but as an example, that, yeah, she's taking it off now because it's warm, but, but that's the idea of the head covering. That was, and again, we talked about that last week, and we talked about the reason, and, and again, it had nothing to do with really the hair, but it was, again, a distraction. It took away from the gospel. It created problems because there was a cultural issue going around. You can go back there and look at that. I am not advocating for ladies to wear head coverings, and I'm not advocating for guys to, to wear long hair. Um, some of you, that wouldn't be possible. Joe. <laughs> or Nick. Yeah, if Torrance was here, it'd be the same way. I mean, you know. But those are, are things, again, culturally we know why. And, and again, we looked at that. So if you're visiting along the way, but you are now up to speed. We're all the way up to chapter 11. I left out a lot of things. There were a lot of things along the way, but that's the general idea. And so you get the, the two forms. Um, today's message is titled... Focus on how we do things. Focus on how we do things. Paul's going to get pretty, pretty serious here. And so he's going to bring about some correction. Now, I have my own tool that God uses to correct me. Hey, Ralph, I told you I got something for you. No, I was teasing Ralph. But you can tell this one's a little bit old and it's used a little bit because God's had to use it a number of times. But I call it the two-by-four method, right? And some of us are a little slow, and we need the two-by-four method. And God uses, at least in my life, the example of the two-by-four for different reasons, right? Sometimes he needs to hit me in the back of the legs. You say, why the back of the legs? Huh? Well, it hurts more, but it also makes my knees bend, and I need to get down on my knees. I need to be humbled. Sometimes I need to be hit in the stomach, Right? And that bends me over again because I'm, I'm getting too proud of myself. Knock me down a step. But sadly to say, once in a while, God hits me right here in the forehead. I think I have a, a groove right there. That's from another thing. But in his love, right in the head, right? We are going so far off the trail. We're getting so far. God just, in his love, hits us right in the head. And we need that. Um, as much as it hurts, it's an example and a sign that God really does love us. Well, Paul has one of those moments today. Chapter 11, we're going to see that. We're going to see where he kind of hits him with the two by four. In fact, we're going to start off with that. But before I jump into chapter 11, that spot, I want to go back to chapter 10 because there's kind of a setup to this, and it kind of shows Paul's heart. So, like I didn't forget, right? Chapter 10. Remember, this is a theme that's going to be going on for the next couple of chapters. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. 
Again, I want to go back to those verses because that's at the heart of this. Yes, Paul is correcting them, but there's a purpose in mind. It's not only for the person that's being corrected that needs to change, but it's for the good of all. See, as a church body, we are connected. We need each other. And when one person's struggling, we all, to an extent, are struggling. And so that's the theme of this. And so when he speaks, he has that in mind, right? That we're together in this, and we, we all need to be working unified together. And so now he hits him with a two-by-four, at least number one two-by-four. Verse 17, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Remember, this is, <clears throat> this is the pastor of this church. This is the founding pastor of this church. He knows them. He loves them. He's cared for them. And he says, you know what? The way you're going, it's better off that you're not even meeting. Ouch. That's a whap. I mean, oh, you're a church. That, that hurts. There's no, there's no way you can look at that and say, oh, well, that's a good message. Or, oh, that's, that's helpful, right? I mean, if I stood up here on a Sunday morning and said, you know what? That's it. We're not going to meet anymore. This, it's not working. We're done. Right? We'd be like, what happened? But Paul's got their attention now. He's got them saying, uh-oh, there's a problem here. So much so that it would be better that they're not even meeting. That's, that's pretty serious words for someone who died for the church, sacrificed for the church, um, planted the church, and is the, really the father of this church, um, little f. You know, obviously, Christ is the head of the church. Now, that's Throw me out here because of heresy. But you know what I mean, right? And so he whaps them, and then he starts off going through the list. And there's going to be a running list now for a couple of weeks. But we're going to get into the first one this morning. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to, the same, and to some extent, I believe it, right? Paul doesn't want them divided. He wants them together. He's, that's always at his heart. He wants to hold them together. And they, again, they've divided over many things, but now we're going to look at they're dividing themselves up over something that's really important. And so Paul's reminded of that. Also, if you were with us, you remember that Paul's not there, right? He's writing this letter from afar, and he hasn't been there recently. <clears throat> remember Chloe? We talked about Chloe being the snitch. No, she's not a snitch. But Paul would receive reports that there were these problems in the church, and Paul's just like, I'm not surprised, right? You know, as a pastor, you get to know people. You get to know your people. And, you know, there are some things you, you can say, well, that's to be expected. You know that. You know where they're from. You know the background. And Paul says, I'm not really surprised by this. That's what he's saying. I'm not there, but I, I believe what the reports that I'm hearing. And so Paul wants to address them before he gets there. Of course, Paul quite often is in prison. He doesn't know whether he's really going to be there or not, but his heart's desire is to get back there. And so that's what he's saying here. To some extent, I believe it. Verse 19, he says, No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else. One remains hungry, and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate, humiliate, yeah, 
not a nice word, humiliate those who have nothing. What? There's no R's in that either. I don't know why I was struggling with that word, but have nothing. Maybe I was trying to add one in. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Right? So now we find out what's got Paul upset and why he's hitting them with a two-by-four. Right? It has to do with this meal. Now, again, as we always do, we want to put it in cultural context. The early church would do communion, and then they would do a meal afterwards. We'd call it a fellowship meal or a potluck today. There it was called a love feast, right? It was a love feast, you know, and sharing, breaking of bread. We hear about that. We read about that in Acts, right? And it was a good thing. Men, you're, again, culturally, if you sat down and ate with someone, that meant you were welcoming them in. You were part of the family. You, you didn't do that with just anybody. You, it was part of the culture of welcoming and connecting, um, which we do as a church, right? We get point away. We like to eat. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I was looking forward to the missions conference. We're going to get to eat again. And um, I know you ladies ate yesterday. Um, they were gracious enough to even give me a little lunch yesterday. Yes, I snuck in, you know, but I had some lunch. It was good. But right, food connects us. Food helps us with fellowship. But the Corinth church had gotten away from that. They got to the point where they were, people would bring in food, but they weren't sharing it. They were keeping it to themselves. A little group over here and, you know. Can you imagine? I mean, if I came back from Maine and I brought lobster and scallops and clams and I'm sitting there having a big feast and you guys are eating bread and water, what would that do, Right? Oh, thanks, Charlie. Some friend you are, right? That's an extreme example, but that's what was going on. And if that wasn't enough, some of them were bringing their wine in. And again, they drank wine in that day. That wasn't something, it wasn't grape juice. I, I cringe every time someone tells me that. No, they were getting drunk on wine, but they were partying it up. But again, division with everybody, they were just keeping it all for themselves. So there'd be all these little factions divisions, groupings, dividing the church up. Meanwhile, they had people that were actually hungry, people that didn't have anything in their church. And they weren't sharing. They weren't thinking of them. They were all about themselves. The church is connected by all of us. We all need each other, and there should be a connection as a church body. And again, culturally, this is what was going on in the pagan temples. Remember, Paul had all that emphasis on idol, idol worship and idol foods and all that. Well, guess what? That practice was what was going on there. They'd go and have one big party. Now, they weren't doing the Lord's Supper, but they were having meals together and feasting and getting drunk and, again, divisions among them. And Again, that was in the outside world, but now it crept into the church. And so Paul is upset. Paul says, hey, this shouldn't be. You're doing more harm than good. In fact, I, I love this, this last sentence here. And again, shall I praise you for this? New England, it's sarcasm, right? Uh, he's not praising them at all, right? He's, he's trying to shame them. In fact, he, he answers it quick just in case there was any doubt. Certainly not. So again, how important are those relationships? How important is that we take care of each other, we check on each other, we spend time together, right? We're going to see that because 
you probably heard me say this, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll probably say it in a few weeks as well because it matters. But our relationship with each other affects our relationship with God. You know, we talk about in marriage, right? If I'm fighting with PJ and out of sorts with her, guess what? I can't come to you and say, oh, my relationship with God is great. I'm lying. Pure and simple. Because you know what? My relationship with her has to be right in order for this to be right. Right? They're connected. We can't disconnect ourselves. Well, it goes even further than just the marriage relationship, but it goes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? If we're fighting among ourselves, we can't say we're all right with God. We're only kidding ourselves. And that's the basis here for when he sets us off. Now, these next couple of verses may sound familiar to you. If you've been here on the first Sunday of the month, or we, that's when we normally practice communion. So Paul's going to address that here. So, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? We do that before we eat the bread. I always say those scriptures. It doesn't, right? Paul is giving them clear direction. Now, it doesn't say it in scripture, but they've done everything else wrong. I have a feeling that the current church wasn't even doing this part. They were probably either, at best, were rushing through this part to get to the feast, right? It's like, uh, you know, I got to wait for this, but, you know, that's what I really want. It's probably like our kids, right? They, they endure the music and the announcements and the missions moment, but they're really looking forward to getting back to Camp Pointway. And kids do that. But sometimes, even as adults, we get that way, right? We can't wait to get to the next thing or the part that we like. So Paul backs the train up a little bit and says, this is how I want you to do communion, because that's important. Remember, as a church, we have two ordinances, right? Two ordinances to follow. Baptism, after salvation, right? By immersion, we do that point way. And communion. Those are two things that we are to do as believers. The Alliance follows that. Many other religions follow that. Or denominations, I should say. But that's important. And so Paul is setting that up. And again, I could go on. I can do a whole sermon on communion. I'm not going to do that this morning for the sake of time because that's the secondary problem here. Right? The problem is, we already heard the problem, is the problem is their relationship with others and not taking care of the brothers and sisters in Christ. So, that being said, next verse says, In the same way after supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right? And we usually do the cup at that point, representing Jesus' blood, and we're doing communion. That's to be done on a regular basis. Right? Now, some, some religions do it every Sunday. Some do it twice a month. Once a, again, that's not the, the point. The point is the heart connection, taking time out to do those things, recognizing but, like I said, the Corinth church is not doing things right. They've gotten away from those things. They're doing things haphazardly at best, to the point where Paul said, you know, it's better that you not even meet. It's a pretty serious thing. If that's two ordinances is a baptism, which they fought over, and now they fought over communion, right? So in my scorebook, they're 0 for 2 on, on those important things. And there were other things that they did wrong as well. Then look at this next verse. 27 says, therefore... Therefore, after you've done these things, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner 
will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks from the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the long time eats and drinks judgment on himself. All right, hold on a second. You at Pointway who've been here a long time, is that the order that we follow? You know I don't ask rhetorical questions. Paul does, but I don't ask him, right? Is that the order that we follow? Now, some of you are saying yes. All right, you guys got to pay attention then, because no, I don't. I actually put this first. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but I, I take this verse and I put it first. And then I go back to the bread and then the cup, right? Remember we take that moment of, of silence between you and God and examine your hearts? Man, all this time, and you guys didn't even know. Man. And again, I'm not misusing Scripture. This is done by a lot of churches a long time, and a lot of pastors, because you know what? Because of the reasoning, it brings judgment. For your sake, let's take a moment, right? So it sets that up. It gives you an opportunity to do that. I can't believe I got that one by you. I snuck it by you. Now you know my secret. That, it's out now. Now when I do communion next week, you're going to go, hey, Charlie, you're doing that out of order. But hopefully you'll say, you know, he's doing out of order, but it's okay. Because the importance of it kind of makes us stop, right? Taking a moment to self-examine, saying, hey, am I all right with God? You know, when I was a kid, I grew up where the pastor would even say, if you're out of relationship with somebody, they would say, you know, don't, don't take communion. You, you let it pass by you. If, you. if you haven't done that yet, they couple that with the, the scripture in Matthew that talks about giving your offering. If you have something against your brother, go to your brother first and then bring your offering, Right? Some people have tied that to communion. Not a bad practice, and I'm not saying that it's not. It's not here, right here in this particular passage, but certainly that would apply. See how important that, that moment is before? Because guess what? There's a judgment that's a tied to that. There's reason why God wants us to take that moment. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to self-examine. I, I don't see myself always clearly. But as a believer, I have the Holy Spirit in me, though, that lets me know, right? I can say, oh, I don't think I offended that person, but guess what? Convicted back, I'm saying, you know what? I could have said that better. I could have used better words. could have used a softer tone. Maybe I shouldn't have said that at all, right? That's that conviction from that Holy Spirit within inside of us. Now, when I look back at it in my own eyes and in my flesh, I'm like, man, they get over it. Man, that was nothing. That was just, that's just me being... Me being from New England, no. Me being offensive. That doesn't get me off the hook. And that's why it's important to take that moment, especially for something as important, not that we shouldn't do this on a regular basis, but especially for when we take communion. Right? Because we're bringing ourselves back to that spot in time when Christ died for our sins on the cross. Right? That's our salvation. That's the reason we are doing that. The great thing is, with that, we get the hope, hope of the resurrection. And we're celebrating that as well. Someone asked me if we were going to do communion this morning. I said, no, actually, it's probably better that we're not doing it this morning because it probably would change maybe a little bit. My hope is that it changes it for next week when we do it. And hopefully this week you'll take, take a little bit more thought on it. But there's a reason for why we do what we do. All right, I said I wasn't going to get too much of communion. He said, but I couldn't leave out. So it's important. Our relationship is important. Like I said, our relationship with each other and obviously our relationship with God. 
One more thing about communion as well is, is that is communion is, is communion is coming together, right? Communing together, living life together, doing things together, and so we are tying ourselves tying ourselves with Christ, coming together. All right, here's the consequences. Here's the next two by four moment, the next WAP. Because if you don't do it this way, Paul says, here's what's happening. Here's an explanation. Here's some of the consequences. Yes, believers get consequences. Right? Non-believers don't always get it or we don't see it. But believers, there are consequences when we do things wrong. Next verse says, that is why many of among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Right? Stop right there for a moment because it's kind of an important verse. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Right? That fallen asleep, that's just a, a reference for a premature death, really is what it's talking about. Fallen asleep. Paul uses that language. It's, it's throughout the New Testament. Again, it was just a, a nicer way. It's the way it was transferred, but they're no longer with us. They've fallen asleep. They've gone on. But they, you're weak, right? There's weakness among you, right? You're not as strong because you're not practicing these things in the right manner, right? Remember, this church, Paul's already called them out. They're immature. They're still growing. They still need help. All right, I'm going to compare us to the current church. Guess what? We're still growing as a church. And I don't mean in numbers. I mean as far as in maturity. Should be a continual, right? Continuing ed doesn't stop for the Christian ever. It's a continuous thing. Because if not, we can be weakened. We can be divided. We can be easily pulled away. See, Paul's bringing it back to that central core of staying together. Even sickness, right? There's some sickness, there's some illnesses. Yes, it can be physical, but it can also be emotional, it can be mental. You've got to broaden that out a little bit, right? Think about the emotional side of it, right? We talked about the dividing up and eating and, and factions, right? Emotionally, what does that do to you, right? Does anyone like to be left out? Oh, no hands went up. That's good. All right. That, that, no. Nobody likes that. Right. We all, we want to be included. We want to be liked by everybody, right? Um, do we think, get discouraged, right? That's a weakness. And again, not a, a weak that because you get discouraged. We, we, we all go through it. Uh, Paul went through it. All the, I mean, there are, that's a moment, but again, it can become a weakness, discouragement. We probably all know that person, right, that's always down, and it's hard to bring them up. They're a, they're a drained body. That can be, be exhausting. And at some points, it can become frustrating. So again, there's other things just besides sickness, physical. There's the emotional side of it. There's the spiritual side of it as well. You can be sick spiritually. Think about it for a minute. Sick spiritually is you may have wrong thinking, wrong teaching, things that you've gotten. Maybe this group over here believes in, in one thing, premillennial, we'll just pick a topic, or pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever, and that becomes divisive, right? Again, you become, that becomes the most important thing. If you're not in this camp over here, then we can't be brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, that's, that's not necessarily true you're sick or you're weak in that area, and so you may need to do more studying. 
I've confessed to you and I'll confess again. There have been positions that I've taken in the past that I've gone back and studied and said, you know what? I'm not so sure that I'm going to die on that hill anymore. Maybe I need to soften that up a little bit. That's not the main tenet that it used to be. Now, there are some things that I will argue and they are the main thing. And again, that's part of that focus, right? The cross, resurrection, only Jesus. Those are things, those are non-negotiable. In fact, I had an interesting conversation with my shuttle driver, of all things. I was the only one on the bus with him, and he doesn't know me. I don't know him, and, and we just start up, and he said something about my, my shirt was untucked. And I don't know why, but I said, yeah, I even wear it untucked in church now. I don't even, you know, and I said, but there was a time that, you know, I didn't. I used to tie and suit and all that, and things changed. But that sprung a whole conversation about church. And he says, well, we all believe in the same God, trigger for me I couldn't help it when, when someone throws that out there I, for me that's like a trigger in a way I, I gotta step through that door and so I said maybe all God but guess what the important part is Jesus and again we went into a long conversation about how important Jesus is and what you believe about Jesus is different among different religions Muslims Jehovah Witness you, Jesus is a divider in that regards and so we had a great conversation you know, it's amazing. It wasn't very long, though, and he shifted the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that happens sometimes. And again, once he found out I was a pastor, it even shifted even further. He started talking about, you know, getting back, how nice Maine was and Minnesota and, you know, the weather. Didn't want to talk about it. But again, planted some seeds. But there are some things that we need to be sharp on. There are some other things that we can, can let go of. But that's a hill worth dying on to share the gospel. So, that being in mind, Paul's saying, this is what's happening. Here's the reason why, because of the way you're acting during not only communion, but this love feast that, that followed it. Paul put them together. Um, today's church, we don't. And again, it's not an ordinance that we have potluck dinners, sorry, or fellowship meals. As much as I know we love them, no. I can't make a biblical case that we need to have one every week or have one every time we do communion. They're nice. And there's nothing wrong with them, but it's not an ordinance. But Paul here is teaching them together because they did have them together. Next word, next verse. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Look at that verse again. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Right? I told you earlier, right? Our view is not always clear of ourselves. Right? I'm sure the church in Corinth thought they were doing things fine. Especially the ones that had plenty. They probably had no problem. Like, hey, oh, I enjoy going to church. And yeah, we do the Lord's Supper. And then we have a nice party. And it's great. Things are fine. If we judge ourselves, we're usually not as tough on ourselves. Being honest, right? We don't see ourselves always in the, the true light. We see ourselves, we try to paint ourselves a little bit better than we normally are. And so Paul's bringing that to light and says, hey, guess who's really going to judge, right? The Lord. The Lord sees. He sees not only the outside, but he sees the heart, right? What's going on in here? What's my motivation for this? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's, what's at the root of this? And so that's a different judgment, isn't it? 
boy said, it's hard, actually it's impossible to know people's hearts. Right? We cannot see into each other's heart. We don't know all the reasons why people do things. Because we can't see in here. And if we were, we're a poor judge anyways. Right? In fact, if we get into judging, we usually do a lousy job of it. Let's be honest, right? We either tend to pigeonhole people or we, we only base it on limited information. Just think about it. There's, there's really, we don't do a good job in judging people. So we probably, no, certainly should stay out of that business. Right? Tell people truth. Show them God's word. No, certainly walking with people and, and not letting people go on in sin is, is not what I'm talking about here. But judging them, yeah, that's a, that's got to kick that one upstairs. That's got to go up another notch. And so that's Paul Hayes. But he says that judgment from the Lord, though, is discipline, and discipline is love. So again, even though it's harsh, it's out of love. That two-by-four to the head, as much as it pains me and I don't like it, I need it. And it's loving to do it because otherwise I'm going down the wrong path. It's going to cause me to get into trouble. It's going to make me walk away. And so that two-by-four is needed many times. But it's not a two-by-four out of anger. It's not a two-by-four out of anything but love. It's correction, bringing you back. Some of you may not need a two-by-four. Maybe you need a, a small stick, and maybe it works well, or there's maybe something else. But for me, it's two-by-four usually. It says, otherwise, you'll be condemned with the world, right? The world gets away with a lot of things, right? right? It, it costs us something to be believers. You know, as believers, we have to act differently. Newsflash, right? We need to act differently than the world as believers. And so... Paul points to that. He says, you know what? The world, not my problem right now. My church family is because you're acting like the world and we need to straighten out. That's what he's saying. Then he comes back around. Remember, he loves these people. It's been tough. He's been gone through some tough stuff here, but he loves them. He says, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If one is hungry, he should eat at home. So that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions or corrections, depending on your translation. But the so it goes back to the real root problem. Remember I said they were probably doing the, the Lord's Supper wrong, but the underlying, there's two, two problems going on, that part, but then there's also this whole thing with how they're interacting with each other, right? The having food and not sharing it, not and really, it's not just the, the, the food part, it's not the important part, but it's the heart behind it that they don't have compassion on each other. They're not sharing, right? If you have the means to help someone and God's prompting you and you don't do it, Paul calls it, well, God calls it sin, right? Do the things we ought to do. Many of you know that verse. So it's important, again, how we treat each other. Our relationships matter, it matters for our relationship with God. I love how it makes that nice cross, right? Our horizontal and our vertical relationships. And they intersect. And again, the focus isn't on food so much, but it's the heart behind it. In fact, it, you can almost hear the underlining tone here is that they were making judgments. Well, I've got plenty. You're poor. Well, you maybe there was some, you need to work harder. 
or you may, you know, whatever it was, it was the wrong motivations for what they were doing. So, something to think about this week. We wrap this up a little bit. A, next week we're doing communion, so hopefully it'll be a reminder to you. And don't worry, I'll, I'll do it out of order um, and give you that moment. But think about your relationships. How are your relationships in your brothers and sisters in Christ? Right? We're a church body here. We're not a large church. We, we can know each other. We can know, you know, there's no reason we can't know every, every name. Even I'm pretty good at that. Some of the kids, not so much, but I'm pretty good. Right? But seriously, how is our relationship? Do we have something that may be bothering us? Do we have something that's hindering that? Or maybe we're just, you know, I'm just not connecting with that person. Or maybe I need to spend some more time with them. Right? Wow. What a reaction. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> Willie, I'm, I'm all the way up here. No. Probably woke him up. And so. But how will you interact with one another? It's important. So think about that. Maybe there's someone that you have something against, and maybe you think it's small or that you think they're overreacting, but you know what? Go out of your way this week. Check in with that person. Ask them, are you okay? Hey, I know we had a rough time here. Are you okay? And again, if you've sinned against them or you've done that, then maybe you need to ask forgiveness. Maybe you've been sitting here this morning, God's already convicted you of someone that said, you know what, yeah, we're all right in a situation, right? I, we need to go back to that person. I really need to, to make sure that we're all right in a relationship. Or maybe there's someone in our church body that you know has a need, and you're able to meet that. And you've been kind of holding back a little bit. If God's prompting you, then maybe you need to share that with them. Right? Many of us have been blessed in that way and being able to, to give but also receive. And again, that brings God glory in that. So something to think about this week. And again, as we get together, and as always, remember, as believers, we need to be different. Different than the world around us. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, as we um, look at this passage, we are reminded of so many things reminded of the sacrifice you made on our behalf, Lord, and we thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrificing of yourself for our sake. Lord, we're also reminded of how important each other we are to each other, Lord, and Lord, may we love lavishly on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray for Pointway. I just ask, Lord, that you will hold us together, that we would be united, Lord, as we go through life together, as you brought us together. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for all those that help uh, make this possible this morning. And Lord, um, just continue to be with us throughout the week. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.